Welcome to Energy Matters in the Classroom with Robin Berlinski, the show that highlights and celebrates the kinetic and potential energy in classrooms across the globe and why it matters. We are heard nationally wherever fine podcasts are available and weekly on the radio at Charleston, South Carolina's 1250 WTMA, which you can also hear live Sunday mornings. Well, not live, but uh, you won't get anywhere else. Almost live Sunday mornings, 8 o'clock. That's 8 a.m. right here at Charleston, South Carolina, which is our home base. Robin, I know this is your show, and I always like to say welcome to your show, but we have some business to take care of before we bring in our special guest. We do. I would love our listeners to follow me on Instagram, Robin underscore Berlinski. There's lots of great information about um, programs, opportunities, books, all kinds of great things you can do with your kids, birth to fifth grade. So Robin underscore Berlinski, follow me on Instagram. There's lots of great stuff. I am so delighted. Again, you always bring in the best. I do. And the first one already wins because he's got the greatest name I've ever heard. His name is Tate Nation. I'm telling you, you'd see that in an old Hollywood movie. Tate Nation, (laughs) for the last four decades, Tate Nation has dazzled the low country with his whimsical artwork, many pieces inspired by Charleston's most beloved spots. You have a a gallery downtown where people come and visit you. Um, This is a description and I hope this is doing it justice. The boldly textured acrylic paintings of Charleston, South Carolina abstract artist Tate Nation offer non-traditional views of the low country's culture, festivities, and coastal environment. That is very cool. Yeah, I and, agree with that. And I love your stuff. So, Robin, I know you guys are friends. Take it away. We are. We met through a mutual friend. Shout out to Cindy Riddle in Spartanburg School District 1. Hey, Cindy. Yeah, hey, Cindy. <laughs> um, but I just want to say... Tate, you got me through the pandemic. I mean, those puzzles. Mm. So your artwork, and I know that was not created. You were doing that well before we were all stuck at home doing puzzles. But I found you that way and did. No, no, wait a minute. You, got, oh, you have wait, to wait. explain why there are puzzles. I'm Because I'm thinking, I mean, I know that there are puzzles from his artwork. Uh-huh. But let's make sure we know where we can send people to buy these. Oh, gosh. Well, yeah, we'll get to that. (laughs) TateNation.com. Is that safe Uh, to say? (laughs) That's real safe to say. Um, But I love, love, love doing your puzzles. I brought a couple and we're going to take pictures. So check us out on Instagram because you'll be seeing those on there. But um, talk talk to me about that craziness because you were selling about... 12 to 24, maybe a month. And then all of a sudden, let me see what it was. You sold over 1,500 during the pandemic. How was that for for manufacturing and all of that? Actually, actually a whole lot more than 1,500 sold during the pandemic. Um, the thing is, I, I, I didn't just get interested in doing the puzzles during the pandemic because I knew everyone wanted puzzles. I had been doing them for about 11 or 12 years before the pandemic hit. And as you said, sales were more steady, but just sort of a trickle. I might have sold a couple of dozen a month. Uh, I, I did have some, I mean, I personally sold a couple of dozen through my website or my gallery. But uh, I, there are uh, maybe a dozen shops and galleries and, and, and gift shops and frames, framing supply stores and, and such that uh, they carry them throughout the low country. And they would they would order them and and sell uh, even more, but um, even before the pandemic hit, I had sold somewhere in the neighborhood of thirty thousand puzzles uh, wow. over the, over the past eleven or twelve years. Um, then, when uh, just shortly before the pandemic hit, 
I had placed the largest order that I had ever placed. Before uh, the pandemic. Before the pandemic hit. And then I started wondering, oh, yikes, what have I done? Because I, I had a, a semi uh, pull up uh, with 8,000 <laughs> 8, puzzles loaded on 13 pallets. And I thought, what have I gotten myself into here? Bingo. Uh, a couple of months later when the pandemic hit, uh, they started selling you like crazy. Inventory. I, I found myself um, basically not painting pictures anymore. And, and we didn't get into that, but the, the puzzles are, are all based on paintings of mine. Your new so, career mm-hmm. was shipping and handling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it became that for sure. Rod, I tell you what, I, um, I found myself rarely getting to bed before three or four in the morning because all I was doing was was filling orders. Uh, and I stayed by myself during the pandemic, of course. And so I didn't have uh, any assistance with that. And so all day long, orders were pouring in uh, from people who couldn't find puzzles anywhere else. And suddenly I realized why maybe I had ordered 8,000 puzzles. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would, I would be packaging, uh, filling orders, packaging puzzles and Daily, there would be uh, anywhere between several dozen and several hundred packages on my porch for the post office to pick up. Let me ask you to clarify something before you and Robin get back into it. First of all, Mm -hmm. uh, we're dealing with someone who sells art at the highest level. You have works that have been commissioned by the U.S. Postal Service, Coca-Cola, Delta, United Airlines, the amazing list that goes on and on. But how would you describe your style and i don't want to just say a painter because you use different tools and different techniques (laughs) that you know it's totally original i do uh and as far as there's i often get asked you know what do you call your style and i guess i would just call it my own personal you know tate style uh, because it's it's not a style that i've learned or copied it sort of evolved because i I worked for almost 20 years uh, before opening a gallery. I worked for almost 20 years as a freelance illustrator. I worked with publishers and ad agencies. I uh, did a lot of, uh, I did a number of children's books, uh, somewhere 16 or 17 kids' books I've illustrated. And, uh, but when I was working with ad agencies or, or art directors, I would often get asked to, to work in a, in a style that, uh, that fit what their job was. And it might have not been a style that I'd worked in before, but I was, I guess I consider myself a little bit of a chameleon when it comes to my to my uh, abilities and my style. So I, I got to uh, work sometimes very realistically, sometimes cartoony, sometimes uh, in uh, in one medium, sometimes in a different medium. And so over time, I just had favorite styles, favorite mediums, favorite materials that I used, and it all just sort of um, blended into the style that I like to work with right now. And and um, you mentioned unusual tools. Yes, I, I'm, I'm not a traditionalist. Uh, I don't just use brushes, and I, um, I you'll find uh, forks and serrated kitchen knives and... and uh, cogs that I found on the ground. I've, I've, I have a neighbor who always kids me because she came over uh, one time while I was working on a painting and I was pressing Legos into the paint 
so anything goes as far as if it creates a little a little added texture. And my paintings are heavily textured. Uh, I've got a very interesting story I could tell you about that if you'd like to hear that later. Absolutely. But, um, um, yeah, so anything goes as far as, as uh, an implement to, uh, to kind of create some added texture and, and, and make the piece fun. Fun is, is a key word. I, I mean, I, I, playful, fun. Some yep. people say whimsical. I, uh, I just, I, I like for my paintings to uh, put a smile on your face. And they do. And, you know, I, I run Engaging Creative Minds. We're a nonprofit yeah. that provides arts programs in local schools. And when we have some students um, working with some of our visual artists, we do see those unique tools on the table to encourage kids to be creative and think differently. So I love mm-hmm. that you actually, as a professional artist, use different things that we would. I mean, the Legos blows my mind. I love it. <laughs> and I do want to say, too, our listeners are parents and teachers. And talking about kids' books kind of lights me up. I get really excited. I do have a question, though, about a book called Yo Millard Fillmore. Because what, what I'm curious about is how our 13th president has anything to do with a children's book that you um, in Charleston were part of. I know he was um, born and raised in New York State, so um, somewhere where I grew up and very passionate about. So Millard Fillmore spoke to, Fillmore spoke to me. Can you tell us about that book? I'd be thrilled to. And actually, I need, let me correct you on one thing. I, I spent my teen years in, in upstate New York. I, I was, love that. I was born in uh, Owensboro, Kentucky, uh, lived in Kentucky till I was 11 or 12. And then, and then my family moved to upstate New York. Uh, okay, so speaking of Millard Fillmore, the reason the book is, what the book does, Robin, is it uses mnemonics and humorous illustrations, uh, word associations to help the reader memorize all of the, uh, all 46 U.S. presidents in order uh, with humor. And, I love it. And so it actually, uh, it's written by Will Cleveland, uh, who's a, a dear friend and, and uh, uh, retired um, retired attorney, which is how I met him, by the way, and and uh, Mark Alvarez. Um, they um, uh, Will approached me years ago, 31, 32 years ago, I think it was, about uh, illustrating this book for an idea that he had. And so when we first did it, it was several presidents uh, beyond before what we have now, but we've updated it with each each new election. It's it's always been updated, and um, it has sold over a quarter of a million copies, which is awesome. Oh my gosh! <laughs> well, I am going to add that in the podcast notes. Yo, Millard Fillmore, be looking for that because I think that's a great. We love when kids can learn by having fun, mm-hmm. and certainly through the arts is really important. But what a unique career you've had. Certainly not a straight line. <laughs> we, you know, this show is all about education and energy in the classroom. And, mm-hmm. you know, we all hear about some of those kids in school who are maybe artistic and not math or science inclined. And so just could you talk to us a little bit about what it was like when you were in school? Were you a good student? Did you love math and science? Were you drawing all the time, looking out the window? Talk to us about that. Well, that's a whole lot of questions, and I'll answer as many of them <laughs> as I can I like remember to ask what like you 10, asked. Ten okay. of them. Uh, let me also make a note: uh, the, uh, the success of Yo Millard Fillmore uh, led to a lot of requests to do other books. And a couple of years after Yo Millard Fillmore, we introduced another, a second book, Yo Sacramento, which teaches you how to memorize all the state capitals the same way. 
Uh, both of those books have been uh, kept up to date for 30, well, they don't add any new states. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, Change capital. <laughs> yeah. We decided we want Syracuse. Albany's not working for us anymore. <laughs> yeah, that works. Um, Might have to add San Juan pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, go. But uh, both books are available through through Amazon, of course, and, and uh, I'm sure Barnes & Noble, other bookstores carry well, them I'm as gonna well. I'm going to run out and get mine. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, was I a good student? I was an okay student, but was I always drawing? Yes, I was always doodling, drawing, uh, just always had a fascination with, with drawing. And, and um, I was telling you earlier, I'm, I'm one of five kids. I have two brothers and two sisters. And my closest in age brother, John, uh, is also an artist. He, he works professionally as a photographer, but his, his, his major in, in college was, uh, was studio art a very fine artist himself. And growing up, John and I used to just always draw at home. And we had, I don't know if any of your listeners go back this far, but we had these books by by an art educator named uh, John Nagy, N-A-G-Y, I believe I remember that. You remember oh, that? Oh, I do. Yeah. He used well, to have a John Nagy art kit or something like that. That's what we had. Yeah, yeah. 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 And it, you know, you, you'd work on shading cones yep. and yep. circles and spheres and squares. And uh, we, we just loved doing that. And then we branched out into the books that showed you how to draw certain animals. And we just thought that was wonderful. And so even in grade school... Um, uh, I entered every kind of art contest there was. And I remember the first time, first time I won a poster contest when I was in third grade, it was for uh, national dental week or something along those lines. And I, I came up with a poster that I drew with, uh, of an octopus and, and each of his tentacles, he had, he had a toothbrush in one and floss in another and, 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 uh, uh, you know, tooth, tube of toothpaste in, in another. And, and I won I, my memory, if I, if my memory serves me well, I won $5 and I thought I was rich. <laughs> I made money as an artist and, uh, and I just, I, I loved it. And um, I had no training at that point uh, other than my John Nagy book. <laughs> and, when I was young, I did Spirograph. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember those. <laughs> I, did, I thought those that were... That was my art. They I'm, were, I'm still doing Spire. Oh, good, Ron. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, I'd like to see some of your work, Ron. <laughs> Do you frame it? <laughs> no, you just put the pencil in and move the thing around. It's not a lot exactly. of Exactly. But no, it's beautiful. I have no artistic talent. When it's done, it's beautiful. And then you can color it in. There you go. Yes, yes. Yeah. But, uh, was I good in math? Was I good in science? Uh, I'm, I'm fairly good in math uh, un- until it came to calculus, which I did... Terribly, and which ironically, my older brother is uh, is a calculus professor at University of Hawaii. Oh, that's hilarious! <laughs> so he got it all, and I got none of that. Uh, science, eh, so so. <laughs> Let me jump in with a question we ask everybody: Was there a particular teacher in your past that really encouraged this uh, artistic bent in you, and maybe helped uh, make you the decision that you were going to do this professionally? Good question, Ron. In I had no training, as I said, until my junior year in high school, and I was in Liverpool, New York at the time, as we were talking earlier. Uh, Mr. Rowan was the art teacher there, and and I I just really connected with with him, and we would we would actually not just sit in the classroom, we would go out and you know go out in the in the fields and go out off of, off campus, 
as a class and, and find a, a, a building or a barn or, or a fence or something like that to, to draw. And everyone could just get and do their, get off in a different direction and do what they were attracted to draw. And I just thought that was really neat. So um, I decided at some point that I wanted to, uh, uh, to study art in college. And um, I started as a business major and after my Going into my junior year, I switched to studio art just because I thought I was denying my my real ability and my real passion. Uh, in college, um, I had several instructors. Uh, I remember a, a, a Mr. Davis who really encouraged me. He was a design instructor, but uh, he he was he was very encouraging, and and, and I uh, uh, I loved his class. During college, I, I spent some years in in Charleston, a few years in Charleston, and while here, I even I was at, I was in school at Western Kentucky University, but while I was in Charleston, I took some part time classes at the College of Charleston. An instructor there, who some some of your listeners may know, uh, Mike Tyzak, uh, he he was he was wonderful. Now he's he's no longer living, but he he was an abstract artist and very powerful influence on me and in fact um i remember a, a, a conversation with mike where he he sort of directed me toward illustration rather than rather than um kind of looser painting um because he said you know your work is very detailed it's very kind of tight and and uh i think illustration might be a a, a great direction for you to go and so i did uh, as i said i worked as a freelance illustrator for uh, around 20 years and um, and then from that kind of returned to painting and ended up with my gallery and, and, and so forth. I notice your well your paintings have very vivid color palettes and it's very Caribbean art inspired. Mm -hmm. Were you there? Did you go to I, I, the Caribbean? Yes I, I actually uh, one of the things that I skipped over when I ended up in Charleston was that I after my after uh, going into my junior year in college, I sat out for a year and joined the Navy. The Navy sent me to Charleston, and I lived on a ship, and uh, that's why I started taking classes at the College of Charleston, just as a uh, kind of keep connected with with my art and uh, and such. And uh, in the Navy, yes, we I, I got to visit quite a few quite a few countries, and, and specifically in the Caribbean. And I I remember, I vividly remember. Um, being in um, Haiti, in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, and seeing some just incredible art there with with uh, wonderful, vivid uh, color palettes and the, the looseness of the style, uh, that really hit me. And um, I, uh, yeah, I would have to say that had a, a huge impact on me. So, and I've been I've been many times since then. I've, I uh, I spend a lot of time, not a lot of time, but I, I whenever I can, I. I get to uh, Eleuthera in the Bahamas. I've got friends there, and um, and the art there. <clears throat> excuse me, the art there is uh, is inspiring, it's inspirational. Too. Yeah, and I want to get back to texture because you said you would allude, you know, <clears throat> allude to that in the in the, in the mm -hmm. um, 
in this talk, I want to ask you something about the forks and knives and cogs and Legos. Mm, yeah. and, you know, a lot of great inventions were made by mistake. You know, I'm thinking of the slinky and silly putty and potato chips were mm-hmm. like oops moments and became like, wow, was it an oops moment? Like, did you drop something in the paint? Like maybe you were reaching over and your spoon fell out of your soup and you went, oh, <laughs> maybe I'll paint with that. Or, or did you like, was that an epiphany? Like, I think I'll, I'll paint like this. I uh, it, I don't think it was an accident. I think I th- <laughs> I'd like to say that my spoon fell out of my soup. Uh, no, I, uh, I I believe I just wanted to experiment. I've, I'm always been about experimentation. And so the texture piece, like you were talking about, the rich texture and the really thick um, texturing in your paintings, that was intentional then. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in fact, I can tell you when that when that came about. I was uh, I was doing a piece for United Airlines for their in-flight magazine, and um, it was just real slick and and clean. And uh, it was an art director who I had worked with many times before at the at the magazine, and. I just let him know that I wasn't totally satisfied with with the way that it was looking, and uh, and he said, "Well, you know, let me send it back and see what you can do." And and so um, I decided instead of it looking so slick, I just wanted to add a little texture to it. And so I kind of reworked the piece, and it was so much more successful, and and it just pleased me a whole lot more. And I was like, "Okay, man, you know what? Texture is the way to go." <laughs> so that was that was kind of a a, a turning point, an epiphany. So American Airlines, Coca-Cola, what were these, Ron? You mentioned them earlier. The Postal Service, Delta, Canon, Time Life, Radisson Hotels. Will I see your artwork when I go stay somewhere? You, you, you may see it on, you may see it some on the walls. Uh, and another That's thing really is, cool. Uh, another, another thing is uh, they, they also uh, had a, uh, I don't know if they still do, but they had a, a magazine that they sent out. And they commissioned me to do some illustrations for the magazine uh, a number of times. So The Radisson Hotel? The Radisson Hotel. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have one more question. I'm sorry, Ron. Like, again, our last guest, my head exploded. Why, why are you apologizing my, to me? My head is exploding. <laughs> I have so many questions. So you're painting and they're beautiful and you're in Charleston and you're in your studio. And then like... How does Coca-Cola find you? Like someone just calls you up and says, we want you to it, paint something? It, a lot of it is word, word of mouth. And I, uh, when I was, when I was. Uh, he heard he was a friend of yours. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes, oh, if you're you a friend Robin of Robin's, Berlinski? we oh, want you. We would yeah. like you to paint right. this. Yeah, we, we need you. Um, no, if, through art directors who I had worked with before, uh, a lot of, a lot of those cases were when I was working uh, strictly in illustration, an art director might uh, see that that uh, Coca-Cola had a need for something. And the World Cup soccer was something that I did for Coca-Cola one time. I did some illustrations uh, for for them. And, and they actually even made products from my illustrations. They made some 3D bottles uh, wow. that uh, I've got one at home. I had it in my hands yesterday, in fact. And that's really impressive because we're talking before social media. Like you weren't mm-hmm. putting your stuff on Instagram and Facebook. These people mm-hmm. found you found, legitimately found somewhere. And again, if I if I if I did pieces that I well, a lot of it was self promotion. I love promoting my own work. Uh, maybe that makes me odd as an artist because so many artists love to just paint and want someone else to do the business end of it. I love the business end. I really do. Uh, so I would, whenever I would uh, do a piece, I would get reprints made of it and send them out to other prospective uh, prospective clients. And sometimes that would turn into work. 
How wonderful to have you here in Charleston. So uh, the quick question is, you hmm. have some influence by Philip Simmons. Did you ever have a chance to meet him and, and uh, learn from him? I actually did. I had the, the, the great opportunity to meet him when my, uh, both my daughters went to Buse Academy in downtown Charleston. And when my younger daughter, Hallie, was in third grade, uh, Philip Simmons, who had uh, attended Buse Academy many years before, um, he was very good about uh, meeting with students and talking, talking to the students. And he, he was going to come in on a weekend and uh, do a, a segment for South Carolina ETV talking about his work. And so... Uh, and for those who don't know, tell everybody who Philip Simmons was. Philip Simmons, uh, okay, he was a master, <laughs> master blacksmith uh, who, whose work around Charleston, I, I mean, you, you can, you can hardly go a block in Charleston without seeing a, a, just a fabulous, beautiful wrought iron gate that he created by hand, uh, or, or balconies. Uh, his work is all around in gardens, uh, gardens in Charleston. He, he passed away in 2009, I'm pretty sure. Um, but in, in his late nineties, but, uh, just a, a phenomenal, Phenomenal artist. We have a couple schools named after him. Right. Simmons Elementary and I believe Middle in Berkeley County. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great man. Mm -hmm. And in fact, at Buse Academy where he went as a, as a, as a child, there's a, there's a a wrought iron archway over the front entrance to the school. He did that. He did that. Oh, I've seen, I've walked by that so many times. It just says Buse Academy and he, he created that. Wow. And all by hand. Yes, absolutely. He, his, his, uh, his, Foundry is behind where the uh, the, the uh, tiny little house that he grew up in, uh, which is now a museum. Oh, I was going to say though, I got to meet him when when he came and spoke to uh, a small select group of uh, Boost Academy students. My daughter was in third grade. She was asked to be one of, I believe, eight uh, students who were in the uh, in his audience, sitting on cross legged on the floor in the library, Aww. as he said in a rocking chair. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> And uh, so I get to go in on a weekend, and and uh, when ETV was <clears throat> was was uh, filming for uh, uh, for a segment uh, there, then my daughter Hallie was one of his uh, one of his audience. So, cool. and I got to meet him. I spent spent a Saturday morning there as he spoke, and I got to meet him then. And I met him one other time briefly at a at a uh, some sort of a reception. I, I hate to say this, we're getting close to the oh, end of this man. program, but I have a loaded question. Why is it important, Robin, this sounds like it's coming from your mouth, because I Ooh. learned at the feet of the master, why is it important to keep arts in the classroom? Oh, gosh. Um, I, I tell you what, there's, there's so much more to being a well-rounded person than just learning, reading, writing, arithmetic. Uh, my my, I come from a musical family. Also, by the way, my mom was a professional musician. She was a music teacher, and uh, pretty much everybody in my family plays some plays or has played some sort of instrument. Even my dad played the tuba and the piano. Um, both my parents were in a symphony as well, and so uh, the same thing goes with with art. I think I think it makes it gives you more of a creative creative out, outlet. It makes you a well, more well-rounded person, and um, it just opens up parts of your brain that that uh, good old science and math don't That's necessarily right. tap into. Absolutely. Well, the last 10 seconds we have, thank you, Tate Nation. Thank what you. a great guest. Well, thank you. Wonderful having you in the studio. You're listening to Energy Matters in the Classroom with Robin Berlinski. See you next time.